right, everybody. Episode 11 of Positively Charged Wrestling. I got uh, your lovely host, Braden, and my good buddy, Josh. How are we this week, Josh? Hey, guys. I'm doing good. You doing all right? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, got, uh, got a lot of ground to cover this week. Um, and uh, had a what I think was a pretty darn good SummerSlam. We'll get into that in just a bit. But as always, uh, we got to pay respect to the... Is it safe to call them the number two promotion now, AEW? (laughs) I would say so. It it sounds so weird calling them that because they've only had a couple of shows, or really about three shows. And I mean, it's just, it's so weird that they're just like, bam, number two. (laughs) But uh, they continue to be the hottest thing. They've sold out, as we mentioned, I think last week, uh, they got shows in Philadelphia and Boston for their TNT shows. Both of those are sold out. Um, they've uh, released the episode five and six of uh, the Road to All Out videos. Now, you watched, uh, I know I sent them to you. I, you watched both of them, correct? Yeah. yeah, I saw both of them this week. The uh, couple of outstanding promos, the Kenny Omega promo, in episode five, I thought was well done. I'm still, I don't want to say lukewarm on Kenny Omega, but maybe I missed some of the stuff in Japan. He's, he's tremendous. Do not misquote me. He, he's tremendous, but I'm still trying to figure out what he's all about exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, either way, it was a, a good promo by him. Uh, what, uh, what do you think about it? It's it pretty good. I'm, I kind of kind of agree with you on that. I'm I'm not. I've seen a little of his stuff, but I'm not a hundred percent familiar with him. So I'm, it's going to be kind of little, you know, little time soaking him in. I guess it would be, you know, and uh, seeing what he's all about and seeing what he brings to the table. I I'm sure he brings a lot from what I've seen and from what I've heard because you know he's created a big buzz. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people talk uh, about Omega. Yeah, and uh, I, I definitely think him and Moxley, I'm really looking forward to that match. I, I think uh, – I, I don't know if I would have went with – I may have mentioned this before. <clears throat> Pardon me. I, I don't know if I would have went with it right off the bat. But if you if you want a big buzz going into your uh, national TV premiere a month after that, then, hey, that's that's cool. Um. The other, the other uh, road to all out episode was a short three minute promo by Brandy Rhodes, and goodness gracious, <laughs> <laughs> she she just absolutely killed it. Uh, she did awesome. I, I kind of want to see Brandy Rhodes versus Sean Spears now. <laughs> um, that. Uh, <sighs> Male or female, that was one of the best promos I've seen in quite some time. And it, they, they have a style. I'm beginning to notice a pattern with, with these sit down promos or these Cody Rhodes promos where he's standing in front of the black screen. I'm beginning to notice a style 
and, and, and there is not a thing wrong with this. Um, it's very, it's very deliberate promo. Uh, I don't want to say rehearsed, but, but it's a very deliberate style of promo, very enunciated, very, um, and you know, they don't ever raise their voice. It's not the old school dusty or, or flair promos, but I'm beginning to notice and Brandy really kind of done that style. But if you'll notice in a lot of this stuff we've been watching, it's a very quiet, a very, you know, somber tone, but very deliberate. Uh, what, first off, what do you think of her promo? And uh, d- do you see what I'm talking about there? Uh, her pr- promo blew me away. It's, it's kind of funny because uh, normally these uh, little videos I've seen have been about 10 to 15 minutes. So I started that one up and I watch it and I, I sit through this promo and I'm like, you know, that, that's cool. She's doing an awesome job. I like this. And then it just kind of ends, and I'm like, I want more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, where's the rest of this uh, video? But, um, but no, she did a good job. And and you're kind of you talking about they're not yelling; they're kind of keeping a quiet tone. It kind of reminds me of Jake Roberts' promos because Jake never yelled. Yeah. Jake, you know, he kind of kept it calm and cool, and and actually made a bigger impact because everybody else around him was yelling, and here he was, you know, keeping it quiet and getting to the point. And and it kind of reminds me of his stuff, which. Ironically, you know, he was on the episode four, yes. I think it was. Yes. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe he's giving them some input or something. I don't know. Terrific comparison there. I, I was trying to find a comparison. I was struggling. So, yeah, a, a very good. And, and see, I'm not sure if he's maybe working with them or that was just a cameo or what's going on there. Uh, so, I, I, yeah, great comparison there. Um Really looking forward to All Out. Uh, we um, will actually touch briefly on it later on whenever we kind of dive into uh, next week's batch of classic contents. We'll, we'll loop everything back around. But I think, I think it's time to, uh, to dive into SummerSlam. And I got to say, we we were kind of joking and, and ribbing last week that uh, it was going to be a long show and it was you know going to be five hours and so on and so forth. The main show, which started at six Central Time and then it ended at nine thirty. Mm-hmm. Great! I was <laughs> granted, I had the pre-show, I had it on. I really really wasn't watching it. It was just kind of on. I, I sat down to watch at six o'clock and I'm prepared like crap. I'm going to feel bad at work tomorrow. I'm going to be up to like 1030. No, it's off at 930. I'm in bed at a decent hour. <laughs> Kudos to them for that. So uh, what, uh, first off, what did you think of that? It actually ending in a nice tight three and a half hours. I, I loved it. Um, and and to have as many matches as they did, I guess they maybe they just uh, managed their time well on it. I don't know, but uh, I, normally we go what about ten thirty or ten thirty somewhere in there. Ten thirty, uh, maybe eleven, and this time nine thirty, it was like wow. <laughs> and I don't think anything got shortchanged. Um, I, I think everything went the right length. Uh 
first off, uh, we'll kind of hop around the card a little bit. And I, I don't have the card in front of me. The, the, the first week in many weeks, I actually don't have anything pulled up on my laptop. So I'm kind of shooting from the hip here. We'll just kind of hop around the card. My favorite match, first and foremost, was the match I was most looking forward to, and it did not disappoint. Trish and Charlotte. Um, it just great, just great. Yeah, yeah, they had the match of the night. Uh, and probably second favorite match was a uh, Nightwing versus Red Hood. I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> Ricochet versus uh, AJ Styles. Um, nice. That that was uh, that that was some outfit by Ricochet. Really cool. Uh, him and AJ did what uh, did what you expected him to do. Um, what uh, what were some things that stood out to you and uh, maybe your favorite match? Uh, well, well, since we're talking AJ and Ricochet, I loved the uh, where uh, Ricochet come off the ropes and Styles caught him into the Styles Clash. Oh yes, that, that was a great finish. Uh, I, I I popped for that one. That was that was pretty cool. And the Nightwing gear, yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Hey, cool! It's it's a uh, Nightwing. It's, it's Batman gear. That's cool." Yeah, yeah. Um, um. Uh, the uh, the WWE title match, Kofi and Randy. Slight nitpick: a couple of things. I thought it went a little long for a non-finish. Um, yeah, and as I mentioned to you, it was it was all too similar to last year with uh, Joe and Styles and, and, you know, insulting the family, which caused Styles to get DQ'd. Outside of that, and, and those are minor nitpicks, I, I thought they worked well together. I think they're going to get some more mileage out of this. It's a good story thus far. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think the next one will be that much better because it's, it's got a little more personal feel to it now. You know, yeah. The, uh... Oh, we're um, well. Orton didn't really do anything to Kofi's kids, but you know he was. I guess Kofi took it as kind of threatening since he was kind of taunting in front of him or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So it's going to lead it. Going to make it a little more personal for the next one. And and um, not to skip ahead, but um, at the end of SmackDown, Orton pretty much laid out all three members of New Day. Yeah, that was so. That was really cool. Uh, this is actually one time that I kind of wish. This is why we need stables. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. why we need. If if Orton had legacy, for example, if that was still around, then you have a red hot feud going into the fall. Uh, True. Not saying the feud is is not going to be good, but I think it would just add so much more to it. Um, and uh, I, I'm I'm saving the one thing for last here. We're, like I said, we're just kind of hopping around the card. Uh, Rollins and Lesnar were, you know, they they main evented. And was this like the most evenly back and forth match that Lesnar's had since he's came back, like, what, seven years ago? <laughs> I think so. I, I'm watching that. And I'm like. <laughs> This is a competitive match. Rollins is getting a whole lot of offense in, and it, it was it was a good match. Do not do not get me wrong; it was a good match, but it was it was somewhat strange to watch uh, because for 
yet again, slight nitpick for a guy with hurt ribs. Rollins was coming back strong. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, what what say you about that main event? It, it was really good, um, and and it's kind of cool because you know it's it's a it's not a long continuing story. It's not like it's been constant, but if you look back, they've got a lot of history. Mm-hmm. Like he kind of kind of hitting every now and then from uh, when Rollins first cashed in going forward. So it's kind of a good, I guess, ending into that story. Um, and like you said, back, a lot of back and forth action. Uh, I did learn that you shouldn't wear rib tape when wrestling Brock Lesnar. That was a really cool spot. That was, <laughs> and it just goes to show you that uh, Lesnar is a is a freak. He he is a freak athlete. Uh, so, um, oh, and we got uh, Bret Hart wishing Seth good luck earlier in the show. That was kind of cool. Yeah, and and I was I was just about to bring that up. That was I, I popped for that, uh, and I thought it was kind of cool. Maybe Vince made a call. You know, hey, get off AEW, come back. We're gonna have you do a cameo. <laughs> I, I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Maybe that was a power play move on their part. Perhaps I don't know. Um, could be. Could be. But either way, I popped for it. It was random, but hey, anytime we get to see the excellence of execution, I'm all for it. Um, and that, and it, it appears we're uh, heading toward a uh, – is Braun going to get another title shot now? Uh, I, I've, I've been hearing rumors of this. He's going to fight AJ this week uh, on Raw. So that's uh, – are we just going to have Rollins be the uh, the Beast Slayer and then the Monster Slayer? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I've, I've I've heard rumors that that could be the next challenger. We shall see. I'm not so sure. I wouldn't just want to see him and uh, him and Styles. But um, all that aside, let, let's get to the probably the most memorable thing from SummerSlam 2019. The Fiend. I mean, I thought it was actually placed well on the card in between the two title matches. Uh, that entrance, man. <laughs> what uh, What do you think of it? Well, uh, I keep hearing people are uh, complaining about being too, too scary, which throws back to the uh, Undertaker when he first showed up. You know, all the kids in the crowd just staring and all and, and being frightened. So I, I say go with it. This is cool. Uh, yeah. The 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 lantern with the, the I guess, severed head or yeah. whatever you would call it was really creepy. And, yeah, I, I, I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. I was just like, um, yeah, it, it, even as a, as a grown man, it, it was a little unnerving. I'm like, wow, they are – they're going all in on this. It was <laughs> so, and he he actually changed his in ring style. It, it wasn't there was a couple callbacks, you know, where he hit the road, he hit the corner and leaned back, but he was a lot more aggressive. Changed his in ring styles. Snapped Finn Balor's neck. <laughs> that, was, that was a strange spot. I'm like, oh, okay, we're doing that now. Um, yeah, I, I didn't know what was going on there. But uh, yeah, I, I like the mandible claw finish. That was fine. Um, 
and the fact that there was no talk of Bray. He didn't show up this week. Some people might complain, but apparently the reasoning behind that is they want it to be special. And if you're gonna if you're gonna Brock Lesnar Bray Wyatt, I'm fine. Let's see if he's gonna be this otherworldly character, and you you want to Brock Lesnar him and only have him show up every once in a while. Do it. I am all in on that. If you never know when he's going to show up, that's what this character should be. Um, True. Now, all that being said, there's got to be some money in a Demon versus Fiend rematch, right? That's what I'm thinking. Uh, I don't know when. I don't know. Maybe Mania? Can you? Yeah. I mean, can we save it for that long? I, that. I, I don't know. I don't, I know um, Bray or not Bray. Uh, Finn's supposed to be out for a while from what yeah. we're hearing, but I don't know. I don't know what their plan is as far as how how soon he's coming back. Yeah, I, I mean there there's there's got to be money in that, and and the only problem with that is you obviously want to keep the fiend as strong as possible. You can't have the returning Balor you know, summon his demon and then lose. So there's where some tricky booking gets in, but uh, definitely the, I'm, if they choose to go that route, then that would be tremendous. Um, anything else from SummerSlam you want to touch on? Um, no. Um, the Ember Bailey match, I liked. Um, I thought for some reason it felt like it ended kind of quick to me. I felt like the match was going to go a little longer. Um, I, I remember there's a, a move in there Ember did, I think, uh, where she had Bailey up in the air and, like, kind of – I don't remember what was going on, whether it was set for, like, a power bomb or something like that, and she turned it into a code breaker. I remember the code breaker part, but I can't remember what the setup was, but that was really cool. Yeah. Need, need to keep that in your repertoire. Um, that's about it. Becky and Natalia had a, had a solid match, but, you know, nothing – Yeah. Nothing amazing, nothing mind blowing. Not not downplaying the match, just saying, you know, um, KO and Chain. I we discussed this in text earlier. Uh, I I kind of I think I brought that one down in my own mind because I would when Shane McMahon has matches, you expect them to be like no DQ most of the time, and this one obviously wasn't. They didn't even mention that in the build up for it, but in my head, I booked it as that. So. I was kind of like, well, this should have done more, but that, that was my thought. So, and, and while we bring that up, was it was it five hundred thousand dollars that? Oh, that sh- oh, the fine. Yeah, was it was it five hundred thousand, or was it? I think it was just a hundred thousand. Hundred thousand. Okay. I, yeah. Uh, well, either way, I, when Kevin Owens, I, I, I chuckled at this because uh, we're. My wife and I are actually in the middle of purchasing a house right now. We're going through that whole process. And when Kevin Owens said, you know, that's a down payment on the house, on a, on a house, I'm like, what house are you buying, buddy? <laughs> so like, that, that stood out to me. I'm like, geez, Louise, if that's a down payment, you're okay. Kardashian level home. <laughs> um, but anyways, that, that, uh, you mentioned Becky a second ago, uh, and we'll get into – I, I want to get into this because I think, in my mind, this is this is one of the best segments of the year. Um, 
Natalia comes out on Monday. Uh, selling the arm injury, great, brilliant. You know, she that was a nice little detail because she could have come out just walking, but she actually was selling that. Uh, you know, a year ago, uh, her dad, Jim Namble, Night Heart passed away. You get this kind of somber moment. And then Sasha Banks' music hits. So I was a day late there. <laughs> uh, I, I'm giving you credit for it. You called it. You were just, you know. Uh, she comes out and, you know, hugs little girls at Greenside. And I wasn't sure where this was going, but they got me. They they got me. I was not expecting this. Uh, hugs Natalia has a moment. Asked for the mic and then quickly turns around and decks her and proceeds to start beating the crap out of her before Becky comes out. Becky comes out. They have a little scuffle. Then she wears her out with a steel chair. So the boss is back in a big way. Um, yep. and, and as I said, I thought this, this whole segment was one of the best segments of the year. Uh, what do you think about it? I was kind of surprised. Um, like like, said, or like you pointed out, you called it the night before it happened tonight, so I, or that night. So I was like, oh, here, here she is, you know. Yeah. And she come out and, you know, it looked like she was just coming out to celebrate with Natty or to uh, support Natty. And then the uh, the swerve happened and, you know, she's got the, the Smurf color hair now. <laughs> <Yeah>. and, uh, <laughs> uh. and Becky comes out and uh, some – Chair shots. I think uh, I heard reports that uh, one of the shots actually got Becky in the head. They they did. There's a fan video floating around out there where the side of the chair kind of clips her in the back of the head. Looks fairly brutal. Um, and yeah, so I got I got to say, <clears throat> my favorite part of this segment though, my favorite part of this was Corey Graves. You know, he was the voice of reason. <laughs> it, it was great uh i think um cole was like uh you know why is she doing this or what's going on or something like that why, why is she suddenly doing this and Corey graves is like she's not just suddenly doing this she's always been this way i've tried to tell you know and he just went off because he's he's been anti-sasha even yes even with her being a face or heel or whatever he's been anti-sasha since he showed up so i, I loved it it was like Every, you know, you all are going to see what I'm talking about now, you know, yeah. that type of thing. It was cool. And, and I felt I felt it was appropriate. He, he never wavered the entire segment. Cole and Renee were like, oh, it's boss time. And Corey's like, she's ruining this moment for Natalia. <laughs> Even before she does the swerve. So, True. yeah, I that stood out to me as well. It was, he, he played his part to a T. Um while we're on the ladies, uh, what did uh, what did you think about <laughs> Bliss Lightyear at uh, <laughs> at SummerSlam? And I'm I'm guessing they're going to be faces now because uh, speaking of Corey, that, that's that's what made me think of this. You know, he's seemingly off the Alexa bandwagon, and I, I guess we're kind of going to get some a face run with the tag team titles. I I guess so. It's kind of a uh, an odd pairing is, you know, because mm-hmm. that I, I don't think they really did anything to turn face. It's just kind of drifting that to that uh, area. So I, I have said for a while that I think 
for one, Alexa is one of the top five promos in the country when, when she's on her game. And, you know, she has cut some heartfelt promos, quasi-heartfelt promos, before immediately flipping the switch back to heel. Um, I, I thought for a while if, if they chose to do a face run with Alexa, it would – I think it would be great because she's – could play that underdog role so well. I mean, she's legitimately five foot nothing and is just so tremendous on the mic. So, yeah, yeah. yeah kind, kind of an odd pairing, but uh, it's it's working thus far. So, I'm I'm all for it. And uh, I, I get I get a good chuckle out of uh, the street profits and uh, <laughs> and uh, Dawson shooting his shot with. Uh, with Nikki Cross, I'm I'm actually kind of hoping that goes somewhere. <laughs> I, I I really I really want uh, a segment or two where something happens there because it, it seems to be a re- recurring theme. So I'm hoping it's yeah, I think, leading to something. Yeah, I think they've kind of threw that in there for a couple of weeks now. So yeah. speaking of the street profits, I I hope they just keep these guys around just to promo stuff, you know, just to hype stuff because. Because I really love their segments. I, yeah, they are they are just hilarious. Uh, and, and I'll say it again: Montez Ford, the uh, the slimmer of the two, I think that guy is a future star. Um, he he's got he's athletic as all get out, but the dude can absolutely talk um, and. Yeah, I think I think he is a future star if he sticks around and uh, continues his upward trajectory. Um, definitely, definitely. So we uh, last week we had it revealed that Eric Rowan was um, the the man who was driving the forklift and. This week, it was kind of odd. They kind of really didn't do anything with that storyline on SummerSlam. They just kind of touched on it. Um, But then we got on SmackDown, Brian and Rowan kind of punking out Buddy Murphy again. Uh, What It it seems like out of all of this, uh, Buddy Murphy's kind of getting a little bit of a push. So so that's a good thing, right? I mean, what's, uh, what's your thoughts on this thus far? Yeah, it, it's cool getting him out in the light. And, and the match he had with Roman this week was really good. It really was. I, and I kind of dug, you know, Roman after the match kind of nodding his head like, all right, you know, kind of giving yeah. him a little bit of respect. I can see this leading to a tag match. Um, n- not sure fully if they'll go that route, but I, I could easily see that happening. Yeah, I could see that. Um, yeah, it was a great show between the two and uh, – I, I actually was really interested in each of the segments. You know, uh, Brian and Rowan, you know, that, I think they're backstage and said they weren't the ones trying to do it and they were going to get with Buddy later. And then uh, then they got with him in the locker room and he said he lied, which I don't know if that's the end of that story or if he just lied, said he lied just to get them off of him or something. I don't know. And uh, But Brian was on, on the ball with every one of his promos this week. He was. He, he brought so much intensity with each one of them. It was just – yeah, it, it was great. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, any 
Anything else from uh, Raw or SmackDown you want to touch on? Let's see. We, uh, we, we got a little bit of a – you mentioned uh, possible Samoa Joe face run, mm-hmm. and I think we got a at least a tease of that for like one match <laughs> until the end where he told the fans that he didn't forgive them for thinking that uh, he was the one that attacked Roman or something like that. Yeah, so. and and he done it well, but it, I was just like, oh. <laughs> so close. So, so close. Because I, I feel like they, me and a lot of other people, really want to get behind him and just see him be a dominant, just just a dominant face. Uh, so. Yeah, maybe, maybe that was the, the, the kind of slow start to a face run. Maybe, I don't know. Perhaps. We, we can dream. We can dream. Maybe. Maybe next week Sammy will come out and, you know, a little more, you know, and, you know, kind of challenge Joe again. And he'll he'll become face just because he's wrestling a heel or something, you know, without without having to change anything about him, you know. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. I think one of the things I like this week on Raw, um, we had the what might be the finish. They could, tra- could drag it out a little longer, but uh, uh, Drew and Cedric had their uh, – I guess feud blow off match. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew Claymore the crap out of Cedric. Um, pretty good match. Pretty good showing. The the Claymore was the big spot of the match. But I want to take a moment and just just talk about this feud altogether. I love this feud. Yeah. And I think it's because it's the way they paced it out. I, I even took a moment to like jot in my notes like each each segment of this feud. You know, it's it's been going on like six weeks, and it's. They've not made a sick of it, you know. Um, it's not like most feuds where, you know, it's like, oh, these guys are going to wrestle this week, and next week they're going to wrestle. Yeah. And then the week after that, they're going to wrestle and just keeps having one-on-one matches. A lot of the setups for the segments were that way, but uh, we go back to the first week, and it was the uh, when Cedric was the janitor. Right. Or took the place of the janitor. That That's what started it, you know. Uh, the next week, we had a match with it, and I, I think Cedric got the quick win, mm-hmm. you know, like the kind of the um, – upset win over drew uh so they were gonna have a match the third week like the next week but uh you know drew was angry at, at him for getting the win over him for um kind of embarrassing him you know so uh drew attacked him before the match even started hit the uh amabella slam on the side of the ring <laughs> so then like the next week we didn't hardly get any interaction out of him week four they they were both out there at the very end of the show when like everybody was coming out at the end uh and uh, Cedric did the dive off the uh, raw entrance. Mm-hmm. And that was like all the interaction between them. It's just enough to keep them going, but not. And then the week after that, they were going to have the, you know, they were going to try to do the match again. But that's when uh, Kurt Angle was refereeing and the Fiend attacked him. So, again, not enough. You know, it was set up as a match, but it wasn't enough between them to, to make you sick of it. Just enough to keep the feud going. And then this week, we got the actual match. And I, I would assume this ends the feud, but... It, 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 they did a really good job of putting it together, and I, I want to give them kudos on that. No, I I, uh, I 100% agree, and um, I think it goes to show – look, they got five hours of uh, – they got five hours of TV each week, and this feud has all been on Raw. There, there's no, been nothing on pay-per-view. Uh so, you know, I'm 
I, I agree. It's it's been a good little a good little feud that um, that I think has uh, certainly helped elevate Cedric Alexander. And speaking of which, we uh, we got the return of something this week. Uh-huh. Um, kind of a nice little surprise. King of the Rings coming back, and pretty cool. Yeah, uh, have have you seen the brackets? I have, and I meant to print them out to have them for the podcast, and I forgot to. <laughs> I, I just um, while you were talking there and talking about McIntyre and Alexander, that triggered it. Uh, I just uh, just pulled it up. Um, so. We've got Raw and SmackDown, and I guess one participant from SmackDown and Raw are going to meet in the finals, so I really like how they divided that up. Interesting matchups. Um, Cesaro and Samoa Joe, Ricochet and Drew McIntyre, Alexander and Sami Zayn, The Miz and Baron Corbin on the Raw side. Uh, SmackDown has Kevin Owens and Elias, Ali and Buddy Murphy, Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin and Apollo Cruz and Andrade. So, yeah, some really interesting match, first round matchups at that. Uh, just kind of um, eyeballing this right off the bat. There's two guys that immediately jump out, and that's McIntyre. And Andrade as potential winners. Uh, I don't think they're going to go Baron Corbin. I could be mistaken. I, I could certainly see him beating the Miz. Uh, but uh, what uh, out of those participants? Participants who uh, who kind of jumps out to you? Um. Well, to be honest, when I first saw the bracket and I saw Corbin's name on there, I was thinking. They might go Corbin on this because we've not heard from him since, uh, was it Extreme Rules? Yeah. And, um, you know, they're bringing it back in for this. So I was like, maybe this is, maybe they're going to kind of go a little different direction with him. They've, they've decided, hey, this is, this is the way to get him, um, coronated, I guess is the best word I'm looking for. I don't, you know, tie into King of the Ring. But, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that's what they're going for. I, I don't know. Um, well, it'll it'll probably come up the first week or so. If, I'd, I'd say if he goes past the first, past into the next one, and depending on who's wrestling that, that'll. But I'm I'm, I'm thinking they might go Corbin. I I can see that. Um, even though I've been a big Corbin supporter, uh, I kind of hope they don't. I think you have a you have a chance to uh, to rocket strap a guy who's ready to go to the next level. Let's use the King of the Ring like it used to be used. And um, I'm, I'm hoping it's Andrade or McIntyre. Um, yeah. So. It's kind of one of those, it, it depends on how they're going to do the King of the Ring. Like like you mentioned, it used to be used to kind of, ele- ele- yeah, <laughs> I don't know what I say, <laughs> to elevate the guy into the uh, next, you know, the next uh, stage. Mm. But, uh, you know, the past few times we saw it, like uh, Wade Barrett, for instance, they they kind of give it to him just to give it to him. They didn't really do much with him afterwards, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, it was kind of like, well, we're going to give him this accolade, but it's not going to lead to a title match. It's not going to lead to, you know, 
if they're going that route, I'm expecting it to be Corbin. They're going to give him the accolade to kind of say, hey, he won it, but not, you know. Yeah. Uh, probably not going to use that to fully elevate him, you know. And plus, I just think King McIntyre has a nice ring to it. Uh, True. So, but but we'll see. I'm I'm excited. I actually think uh, think we'll see see some good matches, uh, some some interesting matchups. Um, a good and apparently the finals are going to take place at Clash of the Champions. Um, so so I'm I'm all for it. I think it's a good little surprise. And yet again, you know, mentioning with the Alexander and McIntyre, they have five hours of TV every week. If they want to do this every year after SummerSlam, before SummerSlam, and just have it be on Raw and SmackDown, if that's what they want to do, I'm fine. If it's no longer going to be a pay-per-view, if, if this is the route, awesome. But just, you know, make it mean something. So. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so finally, are, are we ready to, to dive into some classic content? I believe so. All right. So this week we took a look at a trilogy of uh, Bret Hart matches and a TLC match. So I guess we'll start in chronological order um, with uh, Hart and Perfect from SummerSlam 91. And out of the three, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and say out of the three, the, uh, the cage match with Owen was the one that I had – it had been the longest since I'd watched. Um, this one, I think Perfect was working with a pretty banged-up back, and you, you couldn't tell. Uh, so what were what were some of your notes from this match? Um, well, I, right off the bat, uh, they were doing some headlock takeovers, and there were some – impactful headlock takeovers. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't just your basic, you know, headlock, take them down, think about what we're going to do type moves. These were like, you know, heavy hitting, quick snaps and stuff. And and I don't know. It's pretty cool that they, they were doing that. that um, the tosses across the ring. They, they tossed one another across the ring. And it was almost, it kind of looked botched. But at the same time, it didn't. It looked like if you literally grabbed somebody and tried to toss them. You're not going to fling them four foot in the air. They're going to get about a foot off the ground and go flying. And, and that's how both of these, when they toss each other across the ring, I thought that was a really nice touch. Probably some of that uh, amateur and second-generation background coming out in those to, you know, just making it look rough and greedy, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and last week we were talking about – kicking out of finishers and, and what that meant. Well, in this case, heart kicking out of perfect place meant everything in the world. The crowd absolutely yes. popped and it was like, Oh, Oh, we, we got, we got a chance here. Um, yep. So, so, so what else have you got? Uh, I, I like this match cause um, I don't know. It was, it was more of, there was more to it than just a, an intercontinental title match. You know? mm-hmm. uh, Brett was a primarily a tag team wrestler before this. Like I don't remember a whole lot of Brett's singles run before this match. No, like because what they were uh, the Hart Foundation was still a team at WrestleMania that year. Yep. And SummerSlam was an intercontinental title match, so I don't remember a lot of Brett's singles run leading into this. 
So um, this match was not only, you know, for the belt, but it was also uh, Brett wouldn't, or Perfect wouldn't put Brett over just in the match, but it was, he was helping establish Brett as a single star. And I think, you know, they did a really good job of doing that in this. Yeah, th- this was really the moment um, Madison Square Garden, his, his mom and dad, families there. It was really, you, you could really see that, all right, we're going to, we're going to put this guy over as strong as we can because he's probably going to be the future of the company. And for a short, you know, the next six years, he pretty much was. Um, yep. Yeah, I mean, just tremendous, tremendous match. Uh, not a not a whole lot um, that you could say bad. Uh, and if, <laughs> go ahead. Did you catch uh, the interview afterwards? Uh, Lord Alfred Hayes was going to interview uh, the Hart family. Yes. And he uh, he goes to interview Stu, and he's like, what did you think, or something like that? And Stu's like, well, and he starts to talk, and Hayes like cuts him off. He's like, oh, he's, he's speechless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, was like, I was like, he was telling you. He was talking. Poor, poor Stu. <laughs> oh, that's a uh, funny thing. You bring up Lord Alfred Hayes. Apparently, he uh, – a couple weeks ago on the, on the Pritchard podcast, there was a funny story. I, I won't spoil it here. Uh, you can probably find it. A funny story about um, him and Bruce Pritchard partying and uh, Lord Alfred Hayes losing his card. So do, do, yourself, I take that do yourself a favor find that. It's a pretty, pretty funny story. Um, so that also segues us into the next year, which was in uh, Alfred Hayes's home country um, at uh, Wembley Stadium. And I've, I've watched this match, I don't know how many times, it never gets old, Bulldog and Brett, um, without a shadow of a doubt, in my top five. Uh, and as, as we mentioned, I think last week, I'm, I'm fairly certain that Bulldog, speaking of partying, I think he was – hung over or had been partying the night before, couldn't remember a darn thing about the match. I've, I've heard that story multiple times. I don't know how true it is, but. Yeah, I've, I've heard that as well. I, th- I think it was in Brett's book, yeah. too. Uh, I, and if it is true, then, like I said, you know, kudos to Brett because this is just phenomenal. And, you know, Bulldog – was to be as big as he was, super athletic. Yes. Uh, yes. So, um, what notes have, have you got from this bout? Oh, that was actually one of my I wrote down. I wanted to point out, you know, he was a powerhouse, but very quick and agile. Yeah. And uh, you know, he, he's one of my one of my all time favorites because because of that. You know, he could do and and I forgot to write this down, but I remember thinking this while I was writing that part down. Um, I don't know what match it's in, and I may have just completely made this up in my head, but I'm pretty sure I've seen the Bulldog do a Frankensteiner here in Kondrana. You know, I'm not going to dispute that. That rings a bell because I think before he, yeah, I think before his back okay. got messed up in WCW, I know he was he could do things like that, um, and yeah, that. Uh, that rings a bell. I can't place when it happened, but I but I do remember 
And like I said, I could have made it up in my head. <laughs> this could have been me and my little wrestling figures like years ago. And, you know, I was like, that's a cool move. I'm going to use let Bulldog do it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I remember this happening. So, so any listeners out there, if you can point out the match in which Bulldog does the uh, Frankensteiner, you know, you'll, you'll win one of those old coveted Marvel no prizes. <laughs> For anybody that remembers there that. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so. um, but, yeah, I mean, th- this was uh, 80,000 people, Intercontinental title headlining. Um, it, the start of the match, I mean, it, it just, I don't know, it, the, the air horns in the background and just the crowd, everything, it felt real. Like, uh, it just – there, there was just an atmosphere to this match that still carries and, and you know, transcends the, the TV today. There was just an atmosphere that is tremendous. Um, so, two years later, we have Owen and Brett for the WWF title in a cage. And as I mentioned, it had been – this out of the three, this one it had been the longest time since I watched this. I do, especially after watching it. Uh, I watched it last night, and, and after watching it, I do like their WrestleMania match better. Unlike Sean and Razor, where I like the SummerSlam match better than their <laughs> uh, uh, Mania match, I do like the Mania match better here. So, what uh, what are some of your thoughts from this one? Yeah, I, I agree with the uh, the Mania match was more of a, a wrestling match. Uh, the cage match was just basically who can get out of the cage, and you know you could tell it was personal and stuff, but it, there wasn't many uh, classic moves and stuff in it. So I do think the Mania match holds up a little bit better. Um, before we go any further, yeah. I wanted to throw something else in there. Okay, um, I I had something wrote down for the other matches. I've got um, I just thought this was kind of neat while I was writing notes down, and I wanted to point out some of the other. Uh, other uh, matches that these guys have had. Uh, of course, Brett and Perfect had another match at King of the Ring that, like a couple years later. Yep. Another another classic. And they've had some other matches you can find on the, uh, some of the DVDs, and I'm sure on the network, uh, I think that happened before this, before the uh, SummerSlam match. Mm. All, all good matches. Um, let's see, Brett and Bulldog. Their, uh, their other big uh, encounter was at uh, In Your House in December of 95. And, and I can't wait till we get to cover that one because that was a classic. Mm. But um, there's a there's another match of theirs. I don't know if you've got any of the uh, – have you been seeing any of the unreleased WWF DVDs they've been putting out? I don't think so. They've got one. It's called uh, WWE, WWE, sorry, unreleased 1986 through 1995. And it's just matches that they had recorded but hadn't put on anything. Huh. And there's a Bretton Bulldog match on there, and it's really good. Interesting. You know, it's it's funny. We we point to these these moments that these uh, various guys have had in these particular matches that stand the test of time. But I think a lot of times, perhaps the reason these matches are so good is because they wrestled each other dozens of times prior, and it's like true. Okay, so now we're going to be in front of 80,000 people. We're going to be in front of 20,000 people at Wembley Stadium in Madison Square Garden. And this one's got to be really good. So pull a little bit from this match we had here. Pull a little bit from that one. And, you know, it's 
as they say, practice makes perfect. So true. Like their their pay per view match is like a greatest hits of all the others yeah. turned up a notch. So that's pretty cool. Um, but but the the cage match with uh, Brett and Owen, um, it was a little slow, a little plodding. Um, there was. There was some logic to it in trying to get uh, the guys, uh, you know, one another from escaping. There, there was a little bit of logic there. Uh, the finish, I thought, was really well done. Um, but, but outside of that, it, uh, as I said, I didn't like it as well as their Mania match. So, it, uh, but it, I mean, it was still solid. Still. Still solid, and, and obviously this, um, you know, speaking of King of the Ring, this was after Owen won the King of the Ring, and it certainly propelled him up the card for the next several years. So, uh, any other notes from that match? Uh, I love the the comical side of Owen diving for the door. Yeah. Because it was always these exaggerated dives, and, you know, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Owen was good at that, you know, it'd be a good match, but you know, if you're really paying attention, you can see the comedy and a lot of stuff he did. Um, and the superplex from the top of the cage. That, that was, was cool. yeah, that was, that was pretty good. Um, but, uh, Which that, go, go ahead. They, they borrowed that from him and they borrowed that from Brett and Bulldog from a couple of years ago. They did the super superplex off the top rope. Yeah. And I remember that made a big spot from that match. And during, during the watching them, I saw that one and I was like, I seem to remember there being a lot more flashballs when I was little. <laughs> um, well, moving uh, moving forward um, to uh, to six years later at the uh, biggest party of the summer, we had um, we had the first <laughs> the first official TLC match. Uh, and actually, before, but while I was throwing this on, I actually watched this one this morning. And, and while I was throwing this on, I, I remembered Blackman and Shane. And uh, that match itself really wasn't that terrific. It was a, a, a two spot match. Um, but I just had to watch that spot where Shane falls. 50 to 75 feet. Good God almighty. <laughs> <laughs> However high it was. Um, but uh, that that was, I, I just had to mention that. That was, because I know we've been talking about Shane and he's kind of a spot taker and that was one of the more memorable ones. Uh, True. But um, the TLC match, tables, ladders, and chairs. Oh my. That's, uh, bless Mick Foley. Um, this, uh, uh-huh. I, when I was watching this, I could see how the the um, match at WrestleMania 17, just a few short months later, wound up being so iconic, and obviously the the probably the best of their uh, little trilogy of ladder matches wound up uh, because this one, you know, mania from a few months earlier, it had the prestige of being the first and and this one was great. 
but I felt like, for example, when uh, Devon and, and uh, I think it was Jeff, when, when they were hanging there, and, and I just noticed the ladder in the corner. There was a tall ladder in the corner. They didn't do anything with it. But I'm sitting there thinking, you know, these guys had to go back and watch that. And Edge probably turns to Jeff. Hey, what if we do that same spot? But I get up on that ladder in the corner and spear you. And Jeff being an ins- just a maniac, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> so I could see little glimpses of the Mania match the very next year in this. Um, what uh, what say you about this one? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, th- I think uh, that's kind of how they did a lot of these matches, I believe, is they saw what they did, and they were like, all right, let's, you know, what we could have done here is this, and they go further with it the next time. Yeah. What's kind of neat about them is each one of these matches kind of adds more to it. Um, if you think about the first one, you go, you go back to just the ladder match with uh, Hardys and Edge and Christian, and that was the match that put them on the map. You know, that's the match that turned everybody's head. Mm-hmm. Like, stole that whole pay-per-view, stole the show and everything. And uh, then it goes into WrestleMania, with, and we add the Dudleys to the mix. And it's still, I think, just a ladder match at this point. Officially. Yeah. Officially. And then we go into this match at SummerSlam. And it becomes TLC, tables, ladders, and chairs. And, uh, you know, that that added aspect gets added to it. And then when we get into the WrestleMania 17 match, it's almost like Lita, Spike, and Rhino are part of the part of the teams yeah. this time. You know, they, they're not out for the whole match, but, you know, they have their spots in each in that match. So it's kind of like they, they, they're like, what else can we do? What can we make this a little more special than the last one? And uh, I'm very, very pleased if, if that your scenario with Edge and Jeff backstage, I'm, I'm very pleased that happened, no matter how it happened, because I love that uh, uh, the spear off, off the uh, hanging belt spot. It, that was great. Yeah, it was certainly an iconic spot. Um, yeah, I mean, th- this, one, this one was really good. Uh, you had the dynamic of it being in Raleigh and uh, – I don't remember what arena they were in, but it was packed. Uh, yet again, I want them to go back to the ground entrance. Like these older shows like this, they have the ground entrance and it opens up the arena and looks way more impressive. Speaking of which, before I touch more on the uh, TLC match, that reminds me, SummerSlam 94. I know we have talked about before, like why don't they ever run the United Center? And uh, they always run the All-State Arena. They ran the United Center here and had it, you know, they were hanging from the rafters. Uh, Looked impressive. I'm not sure why they don't ever run anymore, but I had actually forgotten that uh, it was at the United Center with Macho Man opening the show. I got a chuckle out of that. Uh, But uh, anyhow, back to – the TLC. Yeah, this one, this one was really good. Uh, and as you said, it seems like with the ladder match, then the, the three way ladder match, then the TLC, there's little elements added to each one. Um, where was the cage match? Wasn't there a cage match between the Hardys and Edge and Christian? Um, I'm, there was. I'm remembering a cage match where. It, I'm I'm trying to replace it in the timeline. Maybe it was before the ladder match. I, I can't I, the original ladder match, but there was a cage match where Jeff done some kind of crazy spot off the top of the cage. And it was a really good cage match, but um, yeah, I, I can't I can't place it. 
I think maybe it happened after this one. Okay. I might be wrong on that. I think it may have happened after this one. Um, might have to look that one up, though. I, I can't say for sure. I want to say Unforgiven. Maybe. <laughs> I'm thinking you're, I, it sounds September-ish, October-ish. That, that sounds about the right time frame. Um, but, uh, and, and while we're on the topic of Edge and Christian, he, uh, he looping this back to, uh, this past Sunday SummerSlam, he made an appearance and, uh, speared Elias. A lot of people popped for that because he actually took a bump and we never thought he, we would see that again. And supposedly his neck is in a little bit better shape than they thought. Now, I think before the rumors start running rampant that he's going to make a comeback for one more match, he did make a comment that he probably could have one more match, but I don't think he's going to. So that that's kind of cool. First and foremost, it's great that his neck isn't just completely, you know, gone, uh, because these matches right here, you can certainly see why. Um, but uh, what, else, what else have you got for this uh, TLC match? Yeah, that's that's about it. Just you know, these were always fun to watch. So much stuff going on. I, I did notice. I think like Edge and Christian won like almost all these, didn't they? <laughs> I had forgot who won this one, so I, I was kind of curious. Oh, oh, is is you know I I, I couldn't remember. Um, which is another fun thing about going back and watching a lot of these older matches that you haven't watched in quite a while. It is sometimes you don't remember who won, and it's you know new to you all over again. So true, true. Uh, I think, um, I think that pretty much covers it for this week's batch of classic content. Before we get to this day in wrestling history, um, you mentioned to me and, uh, truth be told, I, I really didn't have anything for classic content this week. Uh, but, uh, and I really like this idea and I, and I kind of built upon it, um, a, l- a little bit. So you mentioned watching the, the forgotten TLC matches and uh, what, uh, when did they take place? Uh, well, we've got one from SmackDown from May 24th, 2001. And then we got one from raw October 7th, 2002. Okay. So, so we'll definitely dive into those and uh, check those out. And, and the way I built upon it is, uh, we can easily tie these in with All Out uh, as the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks are having a ladder match, which I'm sure will just be absolutely nuts and insane. And I don't think we will get to cover that. We can make predictions for next week, but as we record this show on Sunday, that will take place on the 31st. So we will cover it on the first or it'll be after the fact. So this will kind of next week will kind of be a good lead in to the chaos that I'm sure we're going to see in Chicago. Um, so with all that being said, what have, uh, what have you got for uh, this day in wrestling history? Uh, got a little bit, not, not a whole lot. Uh, let's see. We've got a couple summer slams took place today. Uh, uh, 1996 summer slam. Uh, Sean Invader, Taker Mankind in the Boiler Room Brawl, um, which I got to admit, that, that was kind of cool. The the match, I mean, it's not a 
classic of, you know, hold for hold type classic. But the um, Paul Bear turned it on Taker at the yeah. end. That, that, that's pretty cool. And, and then the Austin Yoko on the free for all, that's where Yoko, like, the corner breaks on him and Austin gets the pinfall on Yoko. So, a little memorable stuff right there. Yeah. Uh, the next year, on uh, August 18th, we had uh, Sean and Triple H against Undertaker and Mankind. We kind of touched on this a little bit last week with the Sean-Mankind match. Yeah. So this, I guess, would technically be the first of Degeneration X. So that's kind of cool. Yep. Uh, fast forward a few years to 2003. Uh, we had Kevin Nash and Chris Jericho in a hair versus hair match today. Big news, but I had it wrote down. So. <laughs> uh I remember that night too because Nash came out with like really really bleached hair. Yeah, and it was like, well, we know who's losing this. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> it looked it looked so different than what he had like the week prior. Uh, and then the other thing I got is uh, SummerSlam 2013 happened on on this day, and that was uh, Kane and Bray Wyatt. Yeah, I think uh, Bray's Bray's pay per view debut. Mm-hmm. At, well, as as Bray Wyatt, uh, Punk and Lesnar, and then Cena and Daniel Bryan for the uh, title. You know. <laughs> I can honestly say Punk and Lesnar are, is one of the few matches from the past six years now that I legitimately was really super into. Like, uh, the, the promo that Punk cut leading up to it after Money in the Bank, um, I remember marking out for that. It, it was on a raw. He had a hood on and um, was talking to Heyman, and it, it was after Heyman pushed him off a ladder. And the, the whole build up to that match was phenomenal. Uh, Punk had his Wolverine colors on, and it was Wolverine yeah, versus sure. Sabretooth. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> nice. but no, I, I legitimately, I, I think. Uh, my wife, girlfriend at the time, was kind of looking at me, maybe questioning, because she actually watched it with me. She may have been questioning uh, her future with me at the time because I went full just mark-out mode during that match. And uh, <laughs> but um, and obviously, you got Brian and Cena. Um, tremendous match there. Cena wrestling with a football on his elbow. Whatever was wrong with it, it was crazy. Um True, true. I remember that. And uh, I think he went away. He actually went away to get surgery that very next night. So um, that was that was pretty crazy. But um, but anyhow, uh, no, some some good stuff there. Uh, what uh, have you have you got anything else for this way for for this week? I, I believe that's it. I believe that's it. All right. Well, um, I did. I did find out while looking at this though that uh, I think August seventeenth, yesterday, is like in the running for most Summer Slams. Really? Because apparently, apparently, nineteen ninety. Let's see. I had these wrote down. Where, where they at? Now, oh no, I may be wrong. I may be wrong. I think I got the wrong date. Because I got nineteen ninety, two thousand eight, and two thousand fourteen, all happening on the seventeenth. So, so they might, that, I don't know. I have to do a little more looking, but I don't know what it is about the 17th, but maybe it's where it's the middle of the month and they, they go for that. I don't know. Perhaps, perhaps. Um, Just a little tidbit there. Well, good stuff as always. Uh, look forward to covering uh, 
the Forgotten TLC matches and looking ahead to All Out and how that's going to be and uh, possibly change the landscape yet again. So um, I guess we'll see everybody next week. Catch you later, guys. Stay positive.